This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you drive long haul, short haul, or heavy haul, they're here to empower and inspire women in the trades on TNCRadio.live. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. We're a show that works to inspire and empower women in trucking, in the trades, and everywhere. We tackle all kinds of topics, and we work to encourage women to be their very best with informative guests and women who've been champions for women. I'm Shelley, and I'm Kathy. We often cover topics and feature guests who are advocates for women. Laura Peters is one of these people. She's a champion in her own right. She's president of International Software Systems. She's also a member of Zanta International, an organization that fights for women's rights and the fair treatment of women across the world. Zanta empowers women through advocacy and service. They're a force to be reckoned with in stopping human trafficking and other terrible things. Laura Peters does other things besides Zanta. She volunteers by empowering women. She donates time to teach veterans yoga and meditation. She works with domestic violence survivors, teaching meditation and emphasizing that they have control over their body. Laura also makes presentations to girls to encourage them to get involved in STEM programs. Welcome, Laura. Oh, my goodness. You're a force to be reckoned with. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. Thank you for the invitation. I'm happy to be here. I was wondering if we could start with you telling us a bit about yourself, as well as Zanta International. Absolutely. Um, as you started to share some of my my background, I can share with you uh, some of the things I'm involved with uh, locally. Uh, my Zanta work, I've been a Zanchin for uh, about 24 years, and I'm considered a newbie, actually, because we have members that have been in Zanta for 50, 60 years, so... Um, very, very special organization. Um, but I've always I've always been a volunteer. I was raised that way with my family. I grew up in Tucson and my parents were always always active in the community and they imparted that to all of us, all five of us. And uh, so I take my volunteerism quite seriously and are always looking for ways to volunteer. And if I'm not able to try to find if they're looking for people, again, connecting people to whatever project or what's happening in, in the community. So, so Zonta just kind of amplifies that for me. Um, aside from being a Zonchin, I am very active in the, the community. I am uh, on the STEM consortium with the Girl Scouts here in Orange County. And uh, it all has to do with trying to bring programs to the Girl Scouts to study, to get their badges, but also awareness in the community about how important uh, STEM is. So many of us who are in technology um, are part of this consortium. So it's great fun. And I was a Girl Scout when I was started as a Brownie, oh, moved my way up good. to Girl Scouts, have very fond memories of that. And it's so much fun. And they have so such cute outfits now, not like what we have. Um, and they have these wonderful vests where you could put all your badges. We only had our sash, which I still have. I have my Girl Scout pins. Uh, my mother saved all of that for me and um, passed that along to me when she passed away. And so I'm, I'm involved with Girl Scouts. I'm also um, on secretary on the board of directors for yoga, uh, Veterans Yoga Project, and our mission is to bring yoga and meditation to our veterans. And one of the very special things about a Veterans Yoga Project is that we work off of data, quantitative data. And it's all about uh, watching their pain levels before they practice and after they practice. And all of this goes into databases that we, so we know that it's working. We know that veterans are in pain and our mission is to help veterans manage their pain through yoga and meditation. And what attracted me to their organization is I took some uh, certification for mindful resilience. And I learned that they, they use quantitative data. It is not uh, just kind of if the wind is blowing this way, you know, we, we think their, their pain is um, coming down or they're able to find, uh, they're able to sleep better, move around better, all of those types of things. So 
we collect that data and how they're feeling before they practice and after practice. And our executive director is a psychiatrist, a PhD, uh, Daniel Libby, and uh, his passion for it. Our organization is just wonderful. And we do such great work all over the United States. We do have some um, reach uh, over in Europe a little bit, but right now we're really centered on the, the United States. I'm also a board member and president of Hands Together in Santa Ana, California, and it's a preschool and it helps um, children that are economically uh, challenged uh, prepare for kindergarten. And so they have a, obviously they're certified, they have a wonderful program dedicated teachers. And they also have another program called Morning Garden. And uh, those children uh, have some schooling in the Morning Garden program as well. I teach the moms and uh, yoga and meditation in Spanish. I'm trilingual, uh, but I use my, my Spanish uh, in teaching, teaching them. And it is something I emphasize that within that hour that we're practicing, they have control over their body. They can, if they don't want to practice at that moment, they can go into a resting pose that I'm not there. I'm there to guide them. I'm not there to tell them what to do, Uh, but it's very rewarding. I've been doing that for, I've been teaching them for over five years now. Wow. And yeah, it's really so marvelous, Laura. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Powerhouse of a woman. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. you. Uh, But it's so much fun. It's just so much fun. And so, um, and then I also um, is, I am the past president of our virtual chapter for IMCP. It's International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners. Um, I've been a Microsoft software consultant for over 30 years. And so that's my connection to technology. I've done installations and um, implementations all over the world. I've done them in uh, French and Spanish uh, as well. So and you're so a with, pioneer in your own right. Oh my goodness. I guess, I well, mm-hmm. thank you. I, I don't think of myself as that, but I, I, um, I just love helping people and, and I, there's such a need. I wish there wasn't, but there's such a need um, in our community as in every community. And so there's so much that can be done. And, uh, and so it's wonderful that I get to combine other passions. Like I'm, I am a yoga teacher, I'm a 500 hour certified yoga teacher. And so it's wonderful to be able to take that skill and help people. Uh, through the practice of yoga and meditation and and my technology being able to help. I've had done programs at local schools as well, talking about careers and explaining because there's a lot of there's a lot of assumption that technology you only can do this, but it's actually endless opportunities. And to get those girls uh, like around the fifth grade to start thinking about taking math and science and being involved in STEM activities, um, that that can open up a whole nother world. And we know that girls, uh, again, this has been studied, they do uh, learn faster and are more mature than little boys. Mm-hmm. However, in the classroom, it has again been studied where there is a bias towards the boys. Yeah. And so the girls have to be encouraged um, to, through demonstration, through encouragement, through mentoring, getting them going into that direction. And it is so, interesting how stereotypes have dictated education and studies that have come out that have proven mm-hmm. that's absolutely incorrect. So mm-hmm. I was right when in second grade when I thought boys were stupid and yucky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were. Yes, you were. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, I want to commend you, Lauren, everything you're doing. Oh, my goodness. You're a total champion. You're advocate. Where do you find the time? Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I, my husband of 33 years, um, I have him trained and he's, he's learned a long time ago. Just let her go. Just let her go. Yeah. Let her and, go. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it, there's a lot of things that actually can be done with the advent of um, technology and 
having meetings, for instance, over Zoom, that, that cuts down on a lot of people are not anymore what I notice. They're not as concerned with that face-to-face, literally across from a table that we mm-hmm. can do so much over Zoom or Teams or what, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your technology is. And you can, you know, cut to the chase. You can have meetings in 30 minutes to, you know, you don't have to spend hours and hours and you just get things done. And so the actual volunteering, obviously a lot of it is, you know, on site and that type of thing. Um, However, I think we could, we really save time and gain hours by a lot of the preliminary meetings that sometimes goes into creating a a service project or uh, finding out, well, how, when I ask, the question, how can I help you? Meaning when I'm speaking to a nonprofit, what can I do for you? And so that that helps the process. So what is Zanta International? I'm not sure everybody's heard of it. Um, you had said when we've chatted before, it's been around a long time. Yes, it has. Um, we were founded in 1919 by a group of women that were not allowed to be in Rotary. They were turned away because they were women. So they decided to create their own club, if you will. And this was in Buffalo, New York. That's our founding city. And there's actually a plaque. Uh, Actually, it's at this hotel because obviously some of those buildings are no longer there, but there is a hotel, a very famous picture for Zonta of these women at a conference and there were, oh gosh, two to 300 women. This was back in the thirties. And so there's a Zonta International plaque next to it and that we were founded in 1919. So uh, we are now over 100 years, which I think is, is very impressive. However, you're correct. A lot of people have not heard of us. Mm-hmm. And usually it's always, well, what is Zonta International? Mm-hmm. Zonta, the name Zonta, it is a uh, Sioux Indian name, and it means trustworthy and friendship. And that we take that, and that is part of our mantra on how we carry out our service in a trustworthy manner. And our, we have a yellow rose. We have an official rose, the yellow rose, of, and it stands for friendship within Zonta. And so, you know, the, these, this group of women that founded our organization, it quickly grew and it quickly, United States was the first country, second country was Australia. And we are up to, uh, the number kind of fluctuates at times, but around 66 countries, we're in 66 countries around 1200 clubs. We're on all continents. We have around 33,000 members worldwide. We are an all-volunteer organization. The only paid staff that we have is in Chicago, where our headquarters are. And uh, we have a very small staff, actually, in, in terms of running such a large organization. And I always have to give a shout out to the staff. Uh, they are absolutely tireless. They believe in what we do. Many of them have been Uh, with the office in Chicago for many, many years. And what keeps them engaged is our mission uh, to empower women through service and advocacy. Mm -hmm. And they love what we do. And we could not do what we all do out in the field, so to speak, without their help. So uh, I adore all of them. And um, as a leader in, in Zonta, I've held every single position starting we have club the club level we have a district level which on that level it's more of a it's a liaison to between the clubs and the international and then i've been on the international board um, in chicago and other international chair chairs uh, that i have uh, chaired so um, terrific and I'd like to get into some of the things that Zanta does. What are the obstacles? I know that human trafficking is something this organization works tirelessly to stop. What is happening to women worldwide that people are not aware of? I I want to do an eye-opener here because Kathy and I are just 
always trying to create awareness and, and this is going mm-hmm. on. We need to help women here. Yes, we are in the 21st century, but you wouldn't know it based on some of the stuff that's going on. It's just unbelievable. Oh, my God. No, right? Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, we have many areas uh, that we um, tackle and, and we're not, we, we always say we don't, we're, we're not doing fluff projects. We're not doing fluff pieces. We're, uh, we're tackling human trafficking, mm-hmm. uh, violence to get violence against women, uh, health issues, uh, STEM, um, education, mm-hmm. uh, encouraging young women, um, and we have scholarships on a high school level, uh, university level. And then we also have Amelia Earhart fellowships. Amelia Earhart was uh, one of our founding members. Oh, and, I didn't know. She, That's interesting. Wow. Yes, yes. Um, and you think just with that connection, people would know who we are, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Amelia Earhart, after she disappeared, uh, they created a... A fellowship in her name. And so this fellowship is for PhD candidates. And these women are, many of them work at NASA, uh, JPL uh, here. Um, oh, it's a lab, but it's up in the Pasadena area. Uh, so the Amelia Hart connection is uh, very important because again, it, it emphasizes obviously the STEM and and many of us in our clubs, we will invite, we've had lots of uh, Amelia Hart recipients just here in, in our local area through the universe, the UCI system, the University of California system. So quite, quite impressive. So, um, so those are kind of a high level overview. And I'm going to kind of drill down on some of those. And we also have a long relationship with the United Nations. And the significance of that relationship since 1972 is that we are one of several, not all NGOs, not all women NGOs. They come to us if there's decisions being made, discussions, uh, and some of our leaderships, they've spoken uh, at the United Nations, but they come to us, to our president, um, to ask what our position is, um, et cetera. So we, we have a lot of white papers um, that are written and published on our website. And so, so I'm gonna then, I wanna kind of circle back to human trafficking. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a terrible scourge and it it's more prevalent than people really realize. We, we've covered that topic more than once. It's unbelievable it's happening in the 21st century. Exactly, you know? and you know, the pandemic didn't stop them. If you you have to you have to change one's thinking on why this happens. It's a business, mm-hmm. and so the pimps, the women and, and girls, and and there are men that are trafficked too. I I want to make make note of that. That there's uh, a lot of the work that you've seen, like in Dubai and some of those where they're building these all of this. There's men and women that have been terribly trafficked uh, in that particular area. Uh, but there, it's it's their inventory to these pimps, and so in in any kind of business, if and you have inventory, you've got to keep your inventory turning a specific number of times, and so they that's how they look at it. And if they are not working and making money, um, then they're not they're not worth anything. Most traffickers are branded. If you see a brand of um, like a barcode on their neck or on their face, that's that is a tell that they're being trafficked. Truck stops um, are one of the most prevalent areas where women and girls are trafficked. Yeah. And uh, a lot of that is um, in many of the truck stops, you know, you have these lot of activity, but you have dark areas where they can very easily sneak them in, get them into the trucks, and then they, they go out. And so I, I know that the, the truckers have done such great work in educating uh, the, the public. I know that they have a survivor of trafficking that has really helped them develop their programs. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Truckers but I against think, trafficking is... Yes, yes, hot. Yep. Yes, hot. Truckers against trafficking. Love it. And um, so interesting, the work that they do. And it's 
comprehensive and it's fabulous. And I know that a lot of the truckers, I don't, I don't want to misspeak. I, I want to say that they're required to take some of these courses mm-hmm. to drive so they can know the, um, they can know the signs of some yep. of the traffic. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's very frightening because you've got and many times, you know, they, they give them drugs and make them into addicts and all of that to control them that they're just, they have no one, they have no one. And, and they're very good at, at finding um, just like finding girls and women to go into prostitution where they need, you know, and they trick them into thinking that they love them and all of that kind of thing. And then boom, you know, they're not, they're out there. And so, um, one big event is our Super Bowl. That that is a moneymaker for traffickers and uh, <laughs> providing. And so, as long as people pay for these services, yes. yeah. if you will, it's going to continue to go on. And but during the pandemic, what they did is they swiftly because you, no one was leaving, you know, obviously their homes, etc. Nobody sure. was out and about. They just went onto the internet. And again, they, they, you know, they're, they're slick people. They, they really played the psychology of these young girls promising things, or these girls are in home situations that they just want to escape. And they like, oh, this is where I can go. And then they're, they're trapped and sometimes never, ever seen again. So, you know, it didn't stop them. So it, it was, it was still going on when we were all sitting in our homes during uh, the pandemic. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. The other little note I'll make, we have money in the bank, literally. And so over the years, that has um, set us apart from other NGOs and why, again, we have a stellar reputation in that international community. And I always like to praise us for that and make sure that people know that because it's, as I said, it's all our donations to the foundation. So it's, Mm -hmm. you have to be reassured. My, my dollar is valuable and it's actually going right then to that project. That's so so important. Oh my goodness. Yes, it is. People always wonder where their money's going and they want to know. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a big. You, you think, well, I'm not going to donate there because it doesn't reach the end, right? It yeah. goes uh-huh. to all the people's pockets. Absolutely, and I think that is important when you're deciding to either give money and/or becoming a, a member. So our human trafficking projects can be, um, are on the local level. They can be uh, working with, for instance, I'll, I'll use Orange County because I live here. Our club has given money to the Orange County uh, Human Trafficking Task Force, and pretty much every city should have a task force. And that's a way for women to get involved. Look locally if this is an area that you want to be involved in and learn more about and um, where they have they have things that you can work with them on in the community and they have programs, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Look to your local uh, city or nearby city and find out if there's a local task force. And if there's not, that can be, you know, hey, go to the police. What's going on? Are the police trained? Our police are trained here for human trafficking. Um, I, I can't I can't say because I don't know every city if they're all trained for that to to be able to recognize or be able to handle these types of situations. But we have we have given money for the website for the task force and they they are um, wonderful and do wonderful work locally. Um, another project, and this is another one that can be duplicated in where you live. We call it our soft room project. And what we do is we go in, now we have 
the police departments coming to us. In the beginning, we were out saying, hey, we can come in and make that room with the steel table and the two chairs way more warm for domestic violence victims and human trafficking victims. And so what we go into the interview room and we put a little couch in, we put soft lighting, a chair for the, a nice, soft, big, comfortable chair for the interviewer. And we put, you know, pretty art up on the wall. Um, If we're allowed, we'll put a basket of soft toys for the children. And these rooms are where they bring in domestic violence victims and human trafficking victims to interview them to find out what their situation is, how to get them where they need to go and, you know, all the next steps, Mm -hmm. but it sure makes it nicer for the victims when they walk in and their voice doesn't reverberate because there's nothing on the walls and it's a steel table. I'm a victim of domestic violence for seven and a half years, uh, and then uh, never mind growing up in in violence. And I will say, advocate for every woman out there that it may that kind of room would make a major impact on how the woman is going to respond and whether or not she's going to press charges. Because when you go into a room that feels cold and intimidating, you're already intimidated. You're already full of fear that it doesn't, let's just not say it's not very inspirational to want to press charges or, you know, but if you go into a room that is warm and more inviting, you feel more at ease and relaxed and trustworthy. That makes all the difference in the world. I volunteer at the Today Center in Cal, in Edmonton, um, Alberta, for the Women's Center, for the Domestic Violence uh, Center. And they have exactly the same thing, what you're talking about. And it makes the biggest difference <laughs> mm-hmm. um, for the women that enter that room on how they're going to respond. Absolutely. And that is such a wonderful story. My first marriage, I um, am a domestic violence survivor as well. So I, um, it's close to my heart and I relate as well. And it, it's, a, it's a, such an easy project. And it's something that even if you didn't belong to Zonta or you didn't belong to an organization that tackled that, if that's something that, again, um, your audience are like, how can I get involved in, you know, in my community, Mm -hmm. get, get a few girlfriends, you know, the ones that can decorate and can get real good bargains. You know, our, our budget generally is around the 2000, but rarely do we spend all of that. A lot of times we can right. do it for 1500. It's a, it's a very inexpensive project, but gather up some friends. Or if you do belong in a service club, go start talking to your local police departments. What does, what would you say if we came in and, and of course they're, you know, donating it to the, the police department and fixing this up because we again have been given quantitative data back from several of the police departments on what you were speaking to, Kathy, about the result of interviewing them now in a soft room Mm -hmm. and the the information and that they've been able to put pimps behind bars because of them being able to speak openly and not in fear. They're already traumatized, you know, as you were saying. And so, um, anything to help help that and because it's a crime at the end of the day. And yes. if you're able to uh, capture those criminals with credible information. So again, that might be something uh, as your audience is listening to this of how can I get involved in human trafficking? Would you you say that things have changed in terms of how women who have been trafficked are treated? Because I know that decades ago, they were viewed as less than and and as the criminal versus being the victim. Has there been progress in that area? I think so. I do believe so. I think with um, it's it's much more talked about, Mm -hmm. much more information out there that they are the victims of course if you do enter like if you do engage with a local group that like like if you go to a domestic violence shelter they usually human trafficking victims are not there there's other programs for them right um but if you want to engage with that those types of places 
um, their identities are completely, and many times they do have name changes and reemerge and, and uh, go on. It does take time, but I think any of that stigma um, I don't think it's as much as it used to be. Good. Well, there, there was uh, even the blame game with domestic assault survivors. Uh, well, you probably deserved it. I mean, this kind of yes. mentality that was also in the police departments and so forth, very unfortunate because that would just continue the, the abuse and mm-hmm. women had no place to turn. I think in that particular case, and I, this is, I, I at this moment, I can only share my my observations as a citizen. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes wonder what the worth is of a restraining order. Because so many, again, I can, you know, I've lived here in Orange County for 33 years. So I can, I can only speak to what I see here locally. But I see so many women killed, and their children killed, even though there was a restraining order on file, that and call after call after call yep. that the police did nothing. And they, they actually did not honor the, the, and not arrest the guy or the perpetrator. And, and then they end up being killed. And so I see more of that, which is a shame. And I'm not sure what the solution is. Is it, you know, it's great. You can go get an emergency, you know, restraining order, but at the end of the day, in many, many of these cases, these women are, are stalked and followed and mm-hmm. um, all of that. And it results in their death. Um, sometimes you have murder and then suicide of the perpetrator. So that that is an area that troubles me. Um, yes, I, I, I agree. And it's on the victim to have to go to all of the go through all of these steps to get the restraining order and then they'll hear well unless he or she does something we can't do anything you know that's right uh, and it, you're right Laura this just continues well and then it, it to kind of go to the next uh, say no to violence we have a fabulous campaign that we've had for several years very successful and what's great about Zonta International is the collateral for all of these projects that I'm sharing about or areas that I'm sharing about is clubs do not have to create posters. They don't have to create whatever type of campaign they're, they're working on because there's all different ways of, uh, of getting awareness uh, is that, that our organization has a whole section of posters and all types of posters and writing materials, postcards, letters, letters to be able to write to lawmakers, that that type of thing. So the, you know, the issue of human trafficking is both a service and advocacy because you're advocating for the victims, um, but also you can serve them by either interfacing with them through their shelters or with having there are survivors that come out and they they have books they they give presentations that type of thing Mm -hmm. where people can really hear when you hear another person whom you may have had a shared experience i don't know it gives you courage it gives you hope like okay if she if she can stand up there and tell about her horrific you know uh brush with human trafficking or domestic violence, then perhaps the person sitting in the audience in their heart can say, hey, I know now where to go, or I have hope of what I can do to get out of this situation. And so um, there's all different ways of, of obviously communicating, communicating that. So then with our say, say no to violence, um, which primarily deals with domestic violence. Again, there's all sorts of sorts of types of way of interfacing with the, the uh, public. Um, have a panel discussion, and you know, a club can do that, or they can have. Uh, we've had events where it was open to the public to be able to come and, and hear. And I always encourage anyone that's going to have those types of events. You've got to have the men there. It can. It has to have the uh, perspective of men, because little boys, especially when it comes to domestic violence, they learn from watching. Yes. And they yep. may say, I'll never, I'll never hit a woman. 
Well, that doesn't always happen. And so I think it's very important to have a balanced discussion and have that perspective. So everyone, it isn't just, you know, we're not here to just bash men. That that doesn't accomplish anything. Um, we have to have that balanced discussion. So having um, aware, bringing awareness through panel discussions, um, fundraisers for uh, shelters that they need money for programs. That's one way you're contributing to it. So you can hold fundraisers. Again, um, the domestic violence, the, the police soft room, that, that's a really interesting project that you can do. Um, and I'm trying to think of a couple more projects that we do. Oh, we've done, we've done um, walks, 5Ks. Mm -hmm. That's a fun way too. So anyone out there, you know, if they're a runner or a triathlete or, you know, they like to walk, maybe that might be like, that's something I can do. And we can raise money, you know, go and interview and learn about the different um shelters that are there in your community mm -hmm. and find out what do you need? Well, if they need money for, you know, for X, Y, Z, they could do these projects, you know, figure out how to have a walk or, or, you know, bring your, I'm a dog person. So, um, <laughs> you know, have a walk where, you know, the, you bring your fur babies. Uh, so there's sure, lots sure. of fun things that you can do um, in your own community um, to attack these issues. Again, Love to have you join Zanta, you know, for the women out in, in, in your community. Uh, but if that doesn't work out or that they, some people aren't really necessarily for, you know, organized clubs and that type of thing. That's mm -hmm. cool. But you can still have an impact on your community. If that, don't let that stop you. There's all sorts of ways. You know, Laura, I'm very impressed with Zanta International. I'm looking at the website and you've got so many things your organization is involved with and some very thought-provoking facts here when you're talking about um, violence against women. Your organization has some stats on cyber violence. 73% of women are abused online. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. In Europe, 9 million women have experienced a serious form of cyber attack, I guess, since the age of 15. You talk about partner violence, all kinds of things, gender-related killing of women and girls. That we hear about worldwide, too. It, and a lot of that is cultural, too, Shelley. Yes, that, yes. The, uh, you know, in, in places like India and uh, certain parts of uh, Africa, etc., uh, a lot of that is cultural. And, um, you know, that's a tough nut to crack. Yeah, how do we make inroads in that? Because you're having to change an entire cultural perspective. Uh, that's a tough one to do. It is, it is. I will give you... Uh, a small example of a project we had years ago it was in Burkina Faso in, in Africa. And we are also um, uh, genital mutilation, female genital mutilation. Yeah. Um, oh. And it happens here in the United States. It, it does? Absolutely. There's oh. been a case, there's been a case up in the Minnesota area, up in that area. Um, I believe it was in Minnesota and it was a female doctor um, who her patients that came in, she would conduct female uh, mutilation on them as little girls. And it's oh a, a horrible, a horrible process for them. And what happened is she finally was arrested. And I believe Thank God. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that her trial has come because I follow, you know, all of this, obviously. I don't know that her trial has come to pass, but for now, you know, it's been stopped. But the, here's it's a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. Well, but the, there have been women who have escaped other countries to come live in the United States and they've been able to have reconstructive surgery because they they use a, a very special. It just fits over the index finger. And then there's a tiny blade on it and they just go in and cut out the clitoris. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Cause women are not ah. supposed to have any kind of pleasure. No yeah. pleasure. Right. No pleasure. And mm -hmm. so, but what happens with that is the scar tissue closes up, you know, all, all up into their vaginal area. It also can scar uh, up into their re reproductive organs. It makes uh, urinating, extremely painful. Uh, it's just horrible. And so 
when they try to marry, I mean, you, you can only imagine trying to have um, uh, sexual intercourse is mind blowingly painful. Yeah. And so now there was a very interesting, when we talk about trafficking, why does it exist and it won't go away? Because it's a moneymaker. It's economic. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, female mutilation is an economic enterprise in places, for instance, in Africa. And there was a very interesting documentary I saw several years ago, and they had a couple of actresses. I don't remember the gals um, that were ambassadors to the particular NGO that they were attached to. And they were interviewing the, and usually it's a woman, um, an an elder, if you will, in the tribe or village. And they asked these women, why do you still do this? Why do you keep doing this? Because we make money. If you have something else we can make money at, then we'll do that. And so a very stark example of why this goes on but it's also cultural yes and i come back to our burkina faso project uh of many years ago and we did have some success there what they did is the the project zonchins i want to be clear that zonchins we do not go and participate in our international projects like on the ground um, they've opened it up a little bit where sometimes they will allow groups of Zanchins to come and visit the projects, but we're not, it's not like has locally here doing our service, hands-on service, uh, because these are all, we have contracts and, and, uh, and so uh, with other NGOs um, to, to carry out the, you know, Unifem and all of those types of related organizations run those projects for us. So on the ground, they had because it's it, in particular it's a cultural. They use the the women uh, and men locally to try to go out and educate them on the female mutilation. So at one point we were told um, that they brought the tribe leader, the man, who says this has to be done, and so they brought him and he witnessed them mutilating some little girls. And they said he was just shocked that that was it. Like he had no idea what they actually did to the little girls. He just as the tribesman just said, you have to do it. Mm. And so it was, it's a, it's a baby step, but it goes to show you, it's like, they don't even know what they're telling people to do. (laughs) You know, right, right. Yeah. Girls are being disfigured for the rest of their life. It's It's terrible, terrible. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors, coming up. Trucking Moves America Forward, or TMAF, is building a positive image of trucking by telling the story of the hardworking drivers and industry professionals who support the industry. And you can be a part of it. Learn more about TMAF and how you can join and be a part of the industry movement working to build a strong image of trucking by visiting TMAF's website at truckingmovesamerica.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our latest channel, TikTok. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. So we have a few minutes here. I want people to get involved with Zanta International. It's it's worldwide. There's so many things that people can get involved with to empower women and girls because the injustices out there. I don't think a lot of people realize they don't think this sort of thing goes on but it does and we really need to be involved to educate and to stop this i mean it's it's a human rights violation all the way oh absolutely yes yeah that's the biggest thing when if people really want to stand back and see the bigger picture it is a human's right a human rights violation just like rape during wartime now the united nations (sighs) classified that that is a war crime and a human human rights violation. Yeah. So all of these things done to women and girls, you're violating their basic rights. And 
And if that can't get you off the sofa, I don't know what, because would you want your daughter, would you want your sister abused that way, you know, uh, in, in some of these very serious areas of society? They're passing a law here because um, I work with this this young girl, a co-worker's daughter who was raped last year by um, another co-worker's brother. Anyway, um, I was just with her for the weekend and her dad was just telling me that they're passing a law um, that when uh, someone rapes or uh, or has there's domestic violence involved and they're under the influence, it will not hold up in court. They will not, it, it, um, it's not, it, it's considered, it's not their fault for, mm-hmm. for doing whatever they do under the influence. So therefore the victim who's been raped or who's been beaten or whatever has absolute zero say in court. Oh Isn't that my, horrible? That's terrible. That is terrible. Man, that's this young Canada, girl that, oh my yeah, goodness. this young girl I, I spent the weekend with a uh, hike in a mountain. We were talking. Yeah. She's absolute because her, her guy's going to court here and he's going to be using that law because it's been passed to say, because he was drunk and he raped her and she was 16 that it doesn't count. Okay. So drunk drivers, can they use the same argument? I mean, good grief. Like, it's that's just, I know. And so the dad actually went to the police station and said, is this for real? And they said, yes. And so, yeah, he, she's at a loss. She was suicidal. And she says, well, what's the point of even going to court? And so here, you know, I had to, kind of chatter out of that but yeah it's it's pretty intense it's, thank it you makes for sharing very, that, kathy oh yeah, my goodness it's, it's very difficult for the victim to even want to fight because like they're like well what's the point right yeah they go through all that trauma and kathy, they- i'm so glad that you brought that up uh, uh legislation because that's another way of now zanti international we are nonpartisan. so if we have for instance if your club wants to bring in leaders in the community they may be running for something we must have both sides both parties or all three parties or four parties uh, so we're nonpartisan. so politics we don't get involved in yeah. legislation we can get them uh, get involved in our club we have gone to the state capitol we have gone to washington and visited all of our you know your representatives mm-hmm. and do not be afraid of this process. It's much easier than you think. And you have a voice. We all have a voice. Get out there and talk to your representatives. And uh, a lot of those things, too, Zonta's made it so easy uh, it, for different, um, if you want to sign petitions or contact your representatives, um, they ju- you just answer your text. And in less than 30 seconds, you can very quickly, all the templates, you just go right through it and boom. Excellent. And then you get an email back saying, thank you, Laura, for, you know, whatever, whatever. So, right. um, and, and so it's so very important. important. With lawmakers, uh, the way but people don't realize this, if, if it's a bigger organization, it speaks louder. They pay attention. Whether, you know, you, you can try to write a lawmaker individually, they aren't going to give you as much attention. This is so important what Zanta's doing, because that's how you make the changes. You know, you mm-hmm. make enough noise, somebody's going to listen. Exactly. You know, exactly. And this is so important. You folks are so active in so many things. I understand Zanta's also working to stop child marriage. That's a shocking practice. Some of the stats are absolutely scary. Well, there's states where you can be married um, without parental permission mm-hmm. as early as 15, 16. And a lot of times these these marriages do not work out. Um, I mean, again, oh, thing. Another thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So well, child, child marriage is actually going on in the United States, in North America. I mean, that that's unreal. Absolutely. And it's pretty disgusting. Disgusting. Um, Wouldn't that be considered forced marriage in many cases? To a degree, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's actually considered a form of slavery. Yes. Yes, yeah. it is. Because it's um, we've had some very interesting speakers at we have an interim conference on the odd year because our conventions are on the even years. And we had a couple gals. We were all blown away. One of the gals was part of the Hasidic Jew community in New York. Mm-hmm. And they have their own police, their own lawyers. They they don't go to the outside world. 
and she was married at a young age. And on the first night, he beat her so badly, she almost died. Oh, my goodness. Yes. What's the well, youngest age that's allowed? I think it goes down to 14. Oh, my goodness. Um, and in these these communities, I know that in uh, the, um, what are they? They're from Ireland. The um, They go around and they kind of, they're scammers. Um, they will marry off girls. I mean, they're almost children. And with and child marriage happens is in other countries. Oh, yeah. As young but, as nine, I've heard. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, these little girls are not and they get pregnant and they're not they're not developed physically to be able to give birth. They're not they're, they their hips and all of all of it. They're they're not their children giving birth. Oh, to yeah. yeah. Um, in the United States, uh, through the work of a lot of our Zanchins actually going and going and going to in their various states for the legislation on this, there's still 20, maybe 25 states that still allow child marriage, but many states have enacted legislation to raise the age to, you know, 18 to 21 or whatever. If you're one of the states that have not enacted the correct legislation Mm -hmm. um, or get up there and, and talk to your representatives about it. And if you can go to DC and talk to them um, as well. Child marriage in the United States. Wow. That's just another reason to join Santa. How do people get involved? I'm sure worldwide, there's so much need. And I love all the different programs that Zanta's doing. Well, first go to zanta.org, Z as in zebra, O-N-T-A dot O-R-G. And check us out. And then you can, to find a club, there's a club locator. So wherever you are in the United States, um, and well, it's international too. There, you can find them. Uh, for instance, in Canada, we have great sanctions in Canada. So I got to give a shout out to them. Um, that you can find clubs um, all over the world. So uh, check us out. Find that club locator. Um, I'm always happy to answer questions. Uh, Shelly, you have my information. Always happy to speak directly to anyone that uh, is interested in membership. Um, but everything is on the website and they can go there. And I think they'll find a lot of great information. You can actually join. We're all about service and advocacy, hands-on service and let them see what we do best and see the fun that we have and the camaraderie, the sisterhood, because you join to volunteer, but I guarantee you end up making lifelong friends and it's a fabulous experience. This is so wonderful, Laura. Thank you so much for what you're doing and what Zanta's doing. This is a, an education for our listeners. I hope we've gotten some people fired up to get involved. <laughs> we need yeah. this. Women need this. Women and girls, for sure. Thank you very much. It's been absolutely educational, informative, and such a pleasure just to talk to you. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at info at tncradio.live. Thank you for listening to another great interview on tncradio.live. All of the material you hear on tncradio.live on our website, our broadcasts, or our podcasts are copyrighted. There can be no distribution without the express consent of tncradio.live and its partners. For inquiries, write us at info at tncradio.live.